everyone. Welcome to the Stewardship of You. This is the Peak Energy Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Darley. Our focus is to help busy leaders get healthy by better stewarding their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So we bring on experts and leaders every week to share ways that they can get healthier and have great energy, improve all these things, because you owe it to those you lead and love to bring your best energy. Uh, This episode is brought to you by our partner, Peak Energy Nutrition. You can use the code PODCAST at peakenergynutrition.com for 10% off your entire order today. These are premium supplements to help busy leaders better. And so again, the code is podcast, peakenergynutrition.com. All right. Today, we're going to pick up the second part of my conversation with Greg Amundsen. If you missed the first one, please go back and listen to it. Had an incredible conversation. Greg is a former DEA special agent, SWAT operator, black belt, U.S. Army captain. He's a graduate of Western Theological Seminary. Um, He's an incredible leader and really authority on integrated wellness, ministerial leadership, and the warrior ethos. And so he has got just incredible background, incredible insights uh, for all you CrossFitters. He's one of the OGs of CrossFit, actually was coached by Greg, the founder of CrossFit, before it was even called CrossFit. Uh, So he shares some incredible things and so excited to have you listen in on part two of my conversation here with Greg Amundsen. Enjoy. So you hit on something there. I'd love to, I'd love to kind of talk about. So the idea of meditation, I know for me personally, years ago, you know, I was pretty reluctant here, but you need to meditate. It's like, well, I'm a Christian. So it's like, you know, like that's kind of like a weird thing. And then I got introduced to stillness. So just actually the the idea of just being still, which my mind was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, um, actually when I was on staff at IJM, we had stillness every day as a, from a organization wide, uh, there was no work from eight thirty to nine. It was stillness to prepare for the day. Awesome. And I first got there and I was like, what are you talking? I mean, where's my music? Where's that? What are you talking about? So stillness, but then I got introduced to mindfulness, just the actual, the practice of, you know, watching my breath, paying attention to my thoughts and letting them go. Um, you know, went through some training for that. I was pretty reluctant. And then I noticed the impact on my health. I mean, just my, my mental health, my, my feelings is, you know, there were stretches where if I didn't do, you know, mindfulness, I could tell like in the mm-hmm. day and now it's like, Whoa, all right. And I mean, I'm, I'm full blown. No, this needs to be an integrated part in your practice and your health. I mean, just from a, from a stress release standpoint, um, what's your take on all that? Again, I, I know there's a lot of people that probably feel like I did a few years ago of like, wait a minute you know, I'm a Christian. We don't meditate. That's what, you know, fill in the blank. That's what they do. You know, we, we pray or we, you know, we, we read the scriptures and Mm -hmm. I've just, you know, I'd love your take on that. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. It's such a great question, Greg. My CrossFit studio is next door to one of the most renowned yoga studios in Santa Cruz County. There were evenings when I was preaching the gospel at FaithWorks Church at my CrossFit studio, less than 30 feet away, someone is, to use our vernacular, preaching from the Bhagavad Gita. What are they preaching? Meditation. So what's happened in evangelical Christianity 
is that the word meditation has been hijacked. It's been stolen. So if we were to go into a congregation and to propose, all right, everyone, let's take a few minutes to meditate. We're going to be likely very misunderstood <laughs> because we're not taught the power of meditation. Just that word is up and down the scriptures. It would be nearly impossible to read through the Old Testament without coming across the word meditate. You can't go but to Psalms without seeing the word meditate. So we've got to take this word back, I believe. And it needs to be a spiritual discipline of everyone who is following Jesus. It has to be. What's fascinating is if we were to look through the gospel of Mark, just notice the number of times that Jesus Christ <laughs> leaves the crowd to get away by himself to pray. Then he takes his disciples away from the crowd because they were so busy because everyone was coming, everyone was going. They had to get away from the crowd. Or Jesus ascends onto a mountain to pray. I believe that this is imagery for the inner discipline, the inner path of silence, stillness, meditation. So I might be able to physically remove myself from a crowded room, yet bring the crowd with me in my mind. So meditation, if we look at the way it's taught in a seminary environment, Western seminary proposes that unlike the yogic practices of taking a mantra, bringing the mantra into your mind, thus filling the mind with the mantra. I took a class in spiritual disciplines where the mind is emptied. Yet, have you ever tried to empty your mind? <laughs> oh man, there's the, there's the to-do list. Oh, what are we having for yeah. dinner? I didn't call Tom back. Yeah. Yeah, I just haven't had a lot of success in emptying my mind. Um, but what I have had remarkable, I, I hesitate to use the word success because I don't think we should practice the spiritual disciplines with the same expectation or judgment that we would embark upon a physical discipline. Yet I, I, I have a great sense of shalom. I can feel God's peace when I bring into my mind a prayer. And the prayer that I use and teach is the ancient prayer of the heart or Jesus Christ prayer. So in my mind, I repeat to myself, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Then I repeat that over and over and over. And what I found is that when I repeat that, there are intervals of silence 
that arise without any effort in that sequence of events. They arise in places I wasn't even anticipating. So sometimes I'll say, Lord Jesus, in my mind, and then just this profound absence of thought, just his peace, just his presence. And then I kind of realize, oh, I was, I was in that space. Then I come back to the prayer, son of God, have mercy on me. And then maybe for a moment, I'll kind of think on the mercy that I really need in my life. Like I am broken. I really need his mercy. And then I'll realize, oh, I'm kind of thinking. And I'll just come back, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll do that for 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. I've been doing that for five years. It's the best part of my day. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And that's meditation. Um, it's just, it's, it's kind of reconceptualizing what meditation is. And it's being okay with these moments when there's nothing, when there's no thought, when there's absence of thought, we're just being okay with just kind of being, being there. And you know, a, a gospel story that's been really helpful for me is Martha and Mary. You have Jesus in one room teaching and there's Mary, right? Seated at his feet. And then there's Martha, who's running around, because why? So many things to do. And Martha bursts into the room, and she calls out Jesus and says, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, your sister has found what matters most. The Latin, unum necessarium the one thing that matters most and it will not be taken away from her. And that, that, that's how I try to fashion myself. Like if I was to visualize what's happening during those 20 minutes, I'm just making a subtle transition from Martha to Mary. I'm just letting all the distractions, you know, I'm just going to kind of leave those for 20 minutes I'm just going to park myself at the feet of Jesus without any expectations for what's going to happen. No judgment for what happens or doesn't happen. I'm just going to surrender to his presence and just be with him. He's just going to be my one thing necessary. And when I start my day that way, it's amazing. Um, I, I haven't really had a, uh, a to-do list in, in about five years. But I look at what I'm doing, I, there's no explanation for how I'm able to, to achieve. You know, I say that humbly, but there's no explanation other than that I'm, I'm starting with what matters most. I'm organizing my life around the one thing necessary. And then everything else just kind of, kind of works out. Yeah, the, the practice for me has been so helpful just honestly, and as uh, you know, I mean, I'm an idea person, I'm a visionary. And so, you know, shutting my mind off is really difficult. You know, I mean, I work really, really hard. Uh, I have invested a lot of time and money 
into improving my sleep and really trying to, if I can perfect that, uh, you know, cause at night I'll sit there and my body's tired, but my mind's just, you know, running a hundred miles an hour. Who got this idea? And mm -hmm. sometimes just worry, but sometimes it's, you know, just again, the brain going. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, some of that's personality, but some of that I think is also the, the adding up of my decisions and just my life makes it very difficult in times of prayer, times of study to, to be fully there. Right. Cause mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I've got one foot here and one foot on the next idea, one foot on that. And mindfulness and, and meditation has really just helped me practically get better in certain moments, you know, mm -hmm. so whether it's being in a conversation, whether it's, you know, reading scripture, whether it's, you know, being at dinner with my family, it's just been very practical for me, you know, in that, and that has improved all the areas of my life. Now, again, uh, I got, I mean, I was doing it this morning and I've been using the, the muse uh, app. If you've seen that, right. So it's the thing that you actually put on your head and it actually register it, it reads your brain activities. So it's like, Hey, mm. is your brain moving a lot right now? And it helps you figure out, okay, when you're actually, you know, thinking about a lot of things or not when you're distracted mm -hmm. and I can look back at some of the data there and be like, Oh, wow. There are, there are moments where, and I was actually, I was really present and I was there. I was really in the moment. And then there's days like this morning where I get done. And it's like, you know, you're, you're, it, it basically, it measures your like calm act active or, you know, kind of neutral and, and neutral is mm -hmm. okay. But you know, you, you really want those really calm where there's, you know, more of an empty, I guess, if you will, mm -hmm. and my act, my active moments were like through the roof, you know, yeah. it was like, well, I look back and it was because again, you know, I, I was late in getting the kids up. And so I was a little, I was a little, you know, stressed. So I typically, I try to do a little bit of, of kind of my pre activity or pre day stuff before I get the kids up and just couldn't, it was picture day and there's all kinds of stuff. So a little more stress. And so when mm -hmm. I finally sit down to do my, to have my time, uh, I usually do it right before my workout. I have a little routine downstairs in my gym and just, I, I look back out of those things up and it's like, yeah, your mind was already, my mind was already running a hundred miles an hour, you know? And so one of the things that, you know, that I was kind of thinking as you were talking about, again, the morning or the you know, morning and afternoon practices, it's almost like, you know, that carving out that meditation, that mindfulness, it's like a, it's like a mini, it's like a mini Sabbath. It's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to trust God that, yeah, I've got a lot to do and I got a lot of people, you know, relying on me and there's a lot at stake and all this stuff but I'm just going to stop and just spend a few moments here mm -hmm. and trust. I mean, that's really what the Sabbath is all about. It's like, Hey mm -hmm. guys, you're working. And he said, Hey, yeah, I'm working, but you're not supposed to, I want you to trust that I'm working and that you don't have to. And that's how I, and that's kind of how I sum up the Sabbath. Yeah. Well said, Greg. Well said. I don't know. So it's one of those where, yeah, I, I I've been on a, I've been on a, a tangent really trying to push, especially leaders, man, like, find a find a practice that works for you i mean there's lots of apps you can do to get like the technical elements i don't really i mean you're going to feel stupid you're going to feel dumb sometimes you're going to you're going to you know most of the time you're going to say did that do anything and then you're going to have days where you don't do or you skip and you're like oh that's mm -hmm. that's what and, and it is like that that incremental that incremental you know change um, mm -hmm. hey, let's talk about stress for a minute because I feel like there's there's a great connection there between again for me I know that that practice combined with a number of things really helps me 
manage stress and, and, and everyone that's listening has heard me talk about stress. Stress is not bad. Stress is why you're here because if your ancestors didn't have stress, they would have been eaten by the saber toothed tiger when they came mm -hmm. out of the, the cave. So stress actually keeps you alive, but most of the stress we endure is not that type of stress, what the body was meant to do. It's just this mm -hmm. constant drip stress. It's the leaky faucet stress, right? It's the mm -hmm. constant, it's the emails, it's the headlines, it's the social media, it's all that stuff. So stress is just, I mean, it's almost, uh, I feel like we just live in this toxic stress culture that we've, it's the, it's the animal we've created. Mm -hmm. um, but talk about from your vantage point, because I know when I think about stress, it's like, yeah, I've got Atlanta traffic and you've got California traffic and I've got, you know, you know, I got to work on my taxes, uh, you know, that all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, that's stressful. And what am I cooking for dinner and those things. Then there's other types of stress. You know, I know that you've, you know, seen and experienced more, but what I want to get to is how do you, what are the practices practically? What are you doing to mitigate the stress? What are you doing? I know meditation's one. Let's talk about, I, don't, I want to talk about breath work um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as another one, but A, when I say stressful situation, what's the story that comes to mind? And then two, let's talk about, man, what are some practices? Because I know, man, the busy leaders, the, the pastors, the, the business leaders that are listening, they all, I think, would agree. If we took a, hey, are you stressed? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a high level of stress that, that, that's pretty consistent, pretty constant in my life. What can we do to mitigate that? Because long term, that's literally going to kill you. Uh, mm -hmm. It is, you mm -hmm. know, keep keeping your keeping your nervous system in a state of stress with cortisol and adrenaline, you know, basically on a constant on it's creating inflammation. There's all kinds of health issues. that's going to, it's going to jack with you. So, so when you think about stress, what's, what, what comes to mind? And then what, let's talk about some practical ways to deal with it. Awesome question, Greg. I was in eighth grade. There was a beautiful girl named Rachel who I had the biggest crush on. Rachel, if you're listening, oh, sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she would track me down on social media. No one told me that Devon King was head over heels in love with Rachel. Devon King was the school bully. So there I am one day after school with my friends waiting for my mom to pick me up when Devon King approaches me with a group of his bully buddies. The bully buddies cord me off. They, they isolate me from my friends. Devon pins me up against this tree, elbows me, knees me in the groin and says, if I ever see you talking to my girlfriend again, I'm going to whip your ass. And he, I mean, he whipped it pretty good that day. So <laughs> I didn't want another ass whipping. And that moment in time in my life, that was just a matter of seconds. And, you know, truth be told, it didn't really hurt that much, that physical altercation. But what hurt was the fact that I lost face in front of my friends, huge embarrassment, huge shame. How am I ever going to face Rachel again? How can I see her? She's going to know about this altercation. And I don't want to see her because if I do and Devon finds out, I'm in big trouble. So for months, I was beating myself up mentally. 
I was under a lot of stress. I was recreating in my mind this event that happened once, but I was replaying it in my mind. And as a result of that, I was suffering tremendous consequences as a result of replaying this in my mind and thinking about all the possible scenarios that were likely to result. I wouldn't even have lunch outside. I would eat in the library. I was just terrified that I would face Devon again. Well, I ultimately asked my dad, who I had already mentioned, was a martial artist, very capable, big, strong guy. I asked my dad if he could teach me how to fight. And it, it kind of caught my dad you know, out of left field. And he asked me, well, why, why do you know how to fight? And I, I, I took him back a few months and told him the Devon King story. And he said, well, sure, like, it's not hard to learn how to physically defeat someone in a fight. I can teach you that. But what we need to start with is forgiveness. And I knew the principle involved of forgiveness. And I, I said, Dad, I already forgave Devon. He said, I'm not talking about forgiving Devon. You need to forgive yourself. And that was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, there were two parties involved that day. There was Devon. But that was just an isolated moment in time. For the next two months, I've been my own worst enemy. I'm the bully. I'm beating myself up. So I do need to forgive myself. And it was, it was a long list of things I needed to forgive in my life. And that really shaped me. And I believe it was that moment, that, you know, that divinely appointed moment and lesson that my dad taught me that has really helped me as an adult in my life and in, in the lives of people that I mentor and disciple, it's helped them mitigate stress because we're applying the principle of forgiveness, not so much to other people, but to ourselves. And specifically, we're applying the principle to our thoughts about things that happen to us. Because at the end of the day, we get to decide how we're going to think. According to Viktor Frankl, it's the last human freedom. The autonomy to decide, independent of what happens to you, what you will think about what happens. So you could take the exact same occurrence. You and I, Greg, we could see the same thing. We could witness the same set of circumstances, think about it differently, and therefore have an entirely different physiological response at the chemical hormonal level, that event will change us based on what we think about happening. And that's let's, just so, remarkable. So let's dive in. So dive in there. Uh, let's get, let's get, I'd love to get granular here. So on the thinking, cause I think that is super important. What is a, what's a healthy, what's a healthy response? You know, what's a healthy thought? What's a healthy pattern when you either enter a, you know, a stressful situation or, or really what it is, is we encounter stressors. That's what, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the nuance there is actually mm -hmm. a stressor is what causes you stress. So whether it's traffic or, a, you know, an argument with a spouse or a boss or a deadline or whatever. So let's talk about the actual, what's your, what's the mental thought process that to do that in a healthy way? Well, here's the thing. 
our stress can be caused by our own thinking. So this is the Devon King insight is that my thinking about Devon King was causing me the same release of chemicals, the same release of hormones that were released on the day of the incident. They were being released in the privacy of my own bedroom because I was thinking negatively. I was thinking fearful, self-defeating thoughts. So what people have to realize is that as you so beautifully illustrated, at one time in our life, when our ancestors were in fact facing a saber-toothed tiger, the release of certain chemicals, the release of certain hormones were absolutely necessary in order to fight or flee from that threat. Then through the gift of God's grace, we would self-regulate. We would return to homeostasis. No more saber-toothed tiger. Now, we're always thinking about the saber-toothed tiger. It's even more complicated because of the speed with which our life revolves. Social media, the demands impressed upon us, technology. I mean, we are bombarded by stressors, both external than internal. Also consider this, the same way if we went into a church and you and I were giving a sermon and we opened up the sermon with a period of meditation. <laughs> Some people in that church are going to raise their eyebrows at us. We go into that same church and we begin to teach on the power of our thinking. Some eyebrows will be raised. Because, oh, who do these people think they are? Are they new thought? Are they proclaiming new thought? Prosperity gospel? Well, who gave us a mind? Who gave us the ability to think? Who gave us the ability to witness, to discern the quality of our thinking in any given moment of our life? A good God, a good Father gave us the ability to think. With, I think, every expectation, every intention that we would use this remarkable gift that we've been given for good, for the benefit of ourselves, for the benefit of other people. So now concrete to go granular, very objective. If I witness myself thinking negatively, the first thing that I do or teach is just a moment of gratitude for the fact that you are now witnessing what a moment before you were consumed by. Just the fact that you witness means there's a little bit of room or space between that thought then you're witnessing of that thought. Prior to that, you were just the thought. That thought was slamming against your consciousness. Then something happened. God's grace intercedes. The Holy Spirit creates some space. We realize, whoa, that thought was toxic. So now I speak authoritatively over that thought. There's nothing better than the word of God in those instances. It's the greatest weapon we have. Think about all of the armor that 
Paul assigns us, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, we are armored up. What's the one weapon we have? The sword of truth, which is the word of God. So I'm thinking negatively. I witness that negative thought. I speak over it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I fear no evil. I'm thinking, oh, man, how am I going to manage that? That's just going to crush. Whoa, that's a toxic thought. The Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Like, I'll just speak that. If it's appropriate, I'll speak it out loud. If not, I'll speak it in my mind. I'm just intercepting that negative thought. I'm suggesting to my mind a new thought. Then I start to repeat that new thought. And this conversation we're having, it's very timely. I was recently speaking to someone named Dr. Virginia Johnson. She's a neuroscientist, also a Christian, who's doing research for public safety personnel on the power of our thinking independent, get this, Greg, independent of our belief or our faith in what it is we're thinking. Mm. So I can think positive thoughts independent of actually believing those thoughts. I will still reap the benefits of those thoughts if I meditate upon them or if I repeat them. What happens for many people is they try positive self-talk. They might even try to speak the word of God in those instances of recognizing the toxic negativity. Yet there's no immediate sensation of, I feel better. So what does the mind do? It retreats back to the negativity. Whereas all we needed was a few more repetitions of that positive thought or that scripture before we reach this buildup of energy where we can tip over the harmful toxicity of the negative self-talk. It just takes repetition. It takes some time, some self-discipline. Yeah, most of the time we quit. I mean, that's we, we quit too soon. You know, it's the, how often, how often do, you, do you quit? And it's like, actually the finish line's right around the, right around the bend. It reminds me of yeah. that, you know, that study, and I don't I forgot, where it was done and who did it, but basically it's the, you know, the free throw study. So they studied three groups of, uh, people. So they studied people that, um, practice free throws. So they had to like go in the gym every day for like 30 minutes or something. And they, so they did like a baseline, how many free throws can you make or whatever. And then they, they practiced every day for like six weeks or something. And then they had a group that didn't do any practice. So they came in and shot free throws, didn't practice. And then the, the last group, they came in, did their baseline test, and then they didn't go into a gym, but they practice every day mentally making free throws. Mm -hmm. And those people, like the people that practice saw like a, you know, 60% improvement. I'm, and I don't know the exact numbers I'm making this up, but they had a, just an awesome improvement. The people that didn't practice obviously didn't really improve at all, but the people that did the mental practice actually improved like like 90% as much as those that actually practice the free throws, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which sounds like kind of 
foo-foo and all that, but it's just the, no, the reality of activating your divine energy in your mind of saying, God created you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's this like, you know, you notice what you focus on. Like we know mm-hmm. that, right. It's like, Hey, you're mm-hmm. thinking about, Hey, uh, you know, like in high school, it's like, I remember those a pair of shoes I wanted. And then I noticed like, everyone's got this one design of Nikes, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a car you want. And all of a sudden it's like, man, everyone has that car. Well, it's cause uh-huh. you're, you know, you've activated that was the, the articular, the reticular activating system, right? So you've mm-hmm. activated that in your mind and now you're noticing it, but we can do that too. Again, in, in our daily activities, we can do that in reminding us of truth. We can do that in reminding us of, yeah. I've fallen. I've screwed up. I'm a sinner, but you know what? I can make healthy decisions. I can Mm -hmm. make wise decisions with my money. You know, I, I can, you know, I can do this workout. We can, we can actually, you know, speak those truths, you know, and, and speak a few, a better future that we're going for, Mm -hmm. you know, and that actually helps. And I feel like there's some cool science that, that backs that up as well. Amen. There is brother. Absolutely. I list, uh, I want to, I could go on, we could go for hours. This has been a, such a, such a fun conversation for me. Um, but I'm going to be mindful of your time. Um, and we'll have to have Greg back on cause I know everyone's going to love this as much as I have, but a couple kind of rapid fire questions I think would be fun. Um, talk through us, um, morning routine. What, what do you do? What, what the, um, you said the, the essential daily uh, requirement, your EDR. So what's your morning routine look like? Awesome question. I wake up, I'll pour myself a glass of warm lemon water, drink the lemon water, then I have a practice, a spiritual discipline of first words. So the first words I speak in the morning are usually from scripture. And I feel like for the past couple of years, the first words are, God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my ever present help in time of trouble. So those are the first words that I speak in the morning, which is really a profound spiritual discipline because that's the first thing that I hear. It's really my first conscious thought because before I speak that, I really take a moment to think it. So my first conscious thought is scripture. My first words, scripture. The first thing I hear, scripture. So I'm already starting to soak, to just pergulate in God's word and God's presence. Then I have a area of my home pointing to that area now where that's an area that I've just reserved for prayer, for meditation, for the study of scripture. When I go to that particular area, I think of myself as Moses. I'm going to holy ground, the holy place that I only do these spiritual disciplines in. I sit down and I read three chapters from the Gospels. That's just my Bible intake season that I'm in right now. Sometimes it's longer, but usually it's no less than three chapters. Then I do a series of breathing practices. Then I meditate for 20 minutes using the Jesus Christ prayer that I spoke of earlier. Then as I come out of that period of meditation, then I pray. And I'm distinguishing between meditation and prayer, where meditation is I'm just continually returning my attention to this particular sequence of words 
that I'm replaying in my mind without any real effort. It's not engaging the willpower muscle that I'll use later in the day in a CrossFit workout. It's just guided by the Holy Spirit, almost effortless. It's gotten to a point where the prayer prays itself, quite frankly. I just close my eyes and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm 10 minutes in, in this prayer or this meditation. Then as I come out of that, then I'll transition in, into just kind of seeing what, um, where the spirit guides me in what needs to be prayed for. So then I'll, I'll pray. Um, and, and the way that I've been praying is, is very, um, uh, trying try to really declare what's true in God's word in my life. Um, so what that might look like is um, there's, there's a section of, of uh, 1 Samuel where David is described by someone who knows him as a young man who is brave, strong, handsome, an excellent communicator, a warrior. God is with him. That's how David is described. How awesome is that? As a prayer on me, that I'm declaring this to be true through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. So in many respects, it's a prayer, but it's almost also positive self-talk or the repetition of a mantra or affirmation where I'm repeating in my mind through the power of God's Holy Spirit, I am strong, I am brave, I am well-spoken, I'm a warrior, God is with me. I'll repeat that, and then I'll just also see what else God puts on my heart, um, whom to pray for, what to pray for. And then I'll come out of, of that, that uh, kind of that, that sacred space, and I'll go through the remainder of my day. But what I just described, that is my EDR. So that's, for me, what is absolutely essential. That's just non-negotiable. And I'll do that twice a day. So what I just described, I do that first thing in the morning, and then I carve out a period of time for myself right around 3 in the afternoon, and I'll repeat that same practice at 3. Love it. And it just, it just kind of creates a really incredible rhythm in my life. Like, it's these two times in my life where to use your language i'm kind of retreating into sabbath i'm just i'm just putting all the demands that are upon me I'm just putting those on on hold and i'm going to focus on what matters most i love that i love that all right two two quick ones and then we're going to wrap this up i promise what is one thing that you do for your health that many would consider weird i speak health so as I mentioned, my dad was a chiropractor. He was so far ahead of his time. I would sneak into the adjustment room of my dad's office. I would go there after school just as a place to go. Yet I would go watch my dad adjust people. And I watched the evolution of my dad's own spiritual journey where early in his practice, he was a big, strong guy. He would make a very manual adjustment of the patients. There would be a loud, audible cracking sound. I asked my dad once about that cracking sound. He told me, you have to be a little cracked to let the light in. Isn't that awesome? And then as my dad's journey evolved, the manual adjustment 
became less and less important. And what became more important was my dad's prayers for his patients. And at first he would pray for the patients in another room. So they were unaware he was praying for them. But then he would pray with his hands over the area of the body that earlier he was making the adjustment on. And he would pray or speak authoritatively over their body words of health. So what I do, and I think it's the reason I'm as healthy, as strong as I am, is I just speak health over my life constantly. I'm constantly repeating for myself. Every cell in my body is in perfect alignment with radiant health and wellness. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, I think about whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. I think about these things constantly. Like I'm, I'm repeating those words in my life. And as a result of those words, what's happening in my life? Well, I'm physically healthy. And when I'm aware of my thinking, praise God, I'm thinking about whatever's true, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. Why? Because I'm, I'm declaring that over my life. I'm praying that over my life. I love it. I don't know. <laughs> this is the last question I want to ask. I'm not sure if I should ask it now because there it might be it might be zero. But to everyone else has had a good answer to this. All right, last one. What's your most unhealthy guilty pleasure? Cheesecake. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> that is mine. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Give, give me cheesecake. Maybe an old fashioned, but cheesecake for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I use the zone diet. I've been doing the zone diet for 20 years. And I tell people, oh, you know, I, I eat cheesecake. They're like, that's not in the zone diet. I say, yes, it is. It's in Greg's zone diet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Rounds of in shit. My zone. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, listen, thanks so much, man. I seriously got to have to have you on again. There's so much more we could go into this, but thanks for your time. Hey, where can people find more uh, of you and your story and just the incredible resources? Where, where can people find you? Thanks for asking. I think my website, GregoryAmundsen.com, would be a good place to start. And my social media, I use my social media primarily to proclaim the gospel. So if they were to visit any of my social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, they'll get a really authentic message from me. It's primarily what I use those platforms for. I'm very accessible there as well. Awesome. And we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Well, thanks again uh, for being on the show. Uh, blessings to you and, and your awesome work that you're doing. And may you continue to influence and impact a lot of people's lives uh, out there in California and also uh, around the world. Thank you, Greg. Hey, can I pray for everyone that's listening? Yeah, it'd be great. Awesome. And Father, thank you for Greg and thank you for this podcast. And thank you for everyone that tunes in to hear his podcast. And Father, to come back to the essence of our time together, self-mastery in service of others. God, I do pray that everyone that's listening, that your spirit would equip them to follow this path of self-mastery so that they can better serve you, so that they can better serve your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again soon. As always, thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with your friends. And if you really enjoyed it, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening, that would be a huge help so that other leaders can find us and learn more about what we're learning about. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at peakenergynutrition.com with the code podcast, 10% off your entire order. And remember, you owe it to those that you lead and to those that you love to bring your best energy. We'll see you next time.